Cindy, thank you, band, for um, making the, the change and leading us to, to celebrate the glory and beauty and uh, wondrous power of God in Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, one in which we can come before him and uh, openly and honestly as we see his glory and, and beauty. We recognize uh, our own fallenness. We see the ways that we fall short of such a glorious God. And what is even more beautiful is that we can come to God and confess our sins. We can uh, admit to him, agree with God how we fall short um, and receive his forgiveness uh, for us and continue to live in the power and beauty of his um, grace and mercy. So I invite you uh, to join with me in the prayer of confession that is in your bulletin. Also on the the screen, actually, we're going to use the one in your bulletin because that one is the old one. That's so August. We're into <laughs> September. So if you'll uh, pull your bulletin that starts gracious and loving God, that's where we'll, um, we will... Uh, Pray together. And again, making this um, uh, not only our confession, but also um, uh, as a group, but also individually um, our own so that we might receive um, and appreciate and celebrate God's forgiveness. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, you invite us to the table, yet we resist your grace. It is sometimes easier to float around outside of the Christian community than it is to invest fully in it. You invite others to the table as well. Sometimes people whom we do not see as worthy, and sometimes people who make us feel unworthy ourselves. We put up barriers in places where you long to create circles of love and faith. We repent from these sins and ask you to forgive us for these and all of our trespasses. We continue now to confess in silence. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be reminded again today, hear the good news, the best news you'll hear all week that you've heard in all of your lives, that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free and made whole with him and right with God and filled with his Holy Spirit. Let's celebrate and enjoy that forgiveness and the freedom, the true freedom that we have because of his mercy and grace. And uh, one of the ways we get to live that out is by giving and invite you to, to give to the work that God is doing in and through us. And you can give us a number of ways on your screen, um, as mentioned there, that uh, or in your bulletin that you can give and participate in what God is doing, uh, not only across the street, but across the sea as well.
And, and today, as we um, move into uh, our sermon for today, we find another way that we get to live out this, this glorious beauty and forgiveness of, of God. And that is in our relationships with one another. Um, you know, there are uh, a number of, of sociologists t- today that uh, say that America is in what they call a friendscape crisis. A friendscape crisis. Uh, I don't know why they call it that. I tried to find out. But it just means that friendships are on the decline. Relationships of significance are continue to dwindle. Not, uh, and, and it's not really related to the pandemic. Um, it's, uh, it's been happening for 30 years. Uh, just this last May, a number of polls that were taken by a variety of sociological um, organizations that uh, found only 13% of U.S. adults say they have 10 or more close friends versus 33% that said that in 1990. Also today, 59% say they have a best friend versus 75% in 1990, just 30 years ago. So there has been this, this movement, this decline of the notion of relationships and relationships of significance. Um, and it's thought to be the result of a number of things. One is just mobility, increased mobility as we move from place to place. We don't get rooted and connect uh, well, because we're moving and, and also folks uh, get married later and less and less are getting married. So that's another thing that helps people get rooted and and as well, simply just busyness um, that, that, that we're working more and more hours, more and uh, we'll continue to be more and more task oriented about what we accomplish instead of who uh, we are connected with. Um, and actually, the, the pandemic has really had very little impact on that. It's continued to move in that direction and uh, they found in May that there were 46% of the people said they've lost connection with a friend during the pandemic. 45% said they made new friends during the pandemic. So it wasn't caused by just the most immediate, but uh, a more systemic, significant reality in our lives. And and actually, um, we as a church said the same thing. Yeah, we, we did, uh, uh, last month a little church survey just sort of see how folks are doing and what they're, um, uh, what are the, the, the things they want to focus on. Uh, uh, and the, the top three things that were the, the biggest need were, uh, leadership development, spiritual formation, and relationships. They're being connected with one another. Those, so we're feeling the same thing. So it's a perfect time to look and see how Ruth, um, how she says yes to relationships and what we, we can learn uh, from this, this story, the, these events in the lives of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. Uh, their, their story is, is contained in the book of Ruth, which is the eighth book in our uh, Bible. Um, and it, just a short four chapter. You can read it this, this afternoon to get the, the full story. We won't read the whole thing today, but we'll just take a, a look at a couple selections here and, and see what we can learn from Ruth and Naomi and Boaz about relationships of meaning and purpose. Um, but before we do, before we jump into to Ruth, let's uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we thank you for your word. It speaks to us of your truth. 
And we ask now that you will help us to hear what you would be saying to us. And that your spirit would indeed make that alive to us. And how what you're saying would encourage, would challenge, would help, would promote the work of your kingdom. In our lives and in us as a church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so the basics of, of this story, uh, Naomi um, and her husband and her two sons, they live, they're from Bethlehem uh, in, Jeru- in, in Israel, and they're in a famine, and so they have to move to Moab, Moab, and there uh, they live, because there's a famine, because of the famine, they move there for food, and there, uh, their two sons find Moabite um, daughter, or Moabite wives, Ruth um, and Orpah. And um, during their time there, about a number of tragedies struck. First, uh, Naomi's husband dies. And then, uh, ten years later, her two sons die. So it's then just the three women, all three widows. Which is not a good situation in the place and the time that they were. They were not in a society that really valued widows and had a lot of support. And so Ruth, uh, or Naomi, tells her two uh, daughter-in-laws, Alright, y'all just need to go back home. Go, go back home. You don't need to stay with me. I'm going to drag you down. You go back home. Then maybe your families will take care of you. You'll have a place to live. You'll have food. Don't worry about me. And, and eventually, um, Orpah, she does. She goes home and goes back to her to her family of origin. But Ruth um, refuses uh, to leave. And so that's where we'll, we'll pick up um, the, the story. Read that section of Ruth chapter 1, um, verses 15 through 18. And this is, uh, this is Naomi speaking first. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God, where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Now, the first thing I want you to, to see with, uh, with Ruth is that relationships require commitment. I mean, Ruth joins herself with Naomi. Uh, your, your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you live, I'm going to live. Where you die, I'm going to die. Ruth is saying, I am committed to be with you. Knowing that when she's saying yes to to Naomi, she's saying no to going back home and knowing back where maybe a little more, a little safer or a little more certain what her provision would be. But she's saying yes to be with Naomi because in the end, what do you think would have happened to Naomi if she would have been on her own in a foreign land? We don't know. But Ruth is committed to being with Naomi. And this is really very important 
in our relationships as followers of Jesus, particularly in our relationships with one another. That there is a commitment to one another. Even though as we seek to be a diverse community of Jesus followers, which is what Jesus has been drawing to himself um, throughout history, it, it requires then commitment to one another because we are have a common purpose and goal of seeking after Jesus. And Jesus tells us, That as he has loved us, as we receive from him, now we are to love one another who belong to Jesus. He he tells the the, the church, he goes, the, the world will know you're my followers by your love for one another. He's speaking specifically to believers. This is our greatest witness. How we demonstrate our, our commitment to one another. Um, uh, Jesus and, and John and, and Paul, all writers in the New Testament, um, they, uh, they use family language often when talking about the church. That we are brothers and sisters to one another. I am your brother. You are my sister. You are my brother. If we are in Jesus Christ... We are part of an eternal connection that is greater than familial connections in our society. You've heard me say this before. The waters of baptism are thicker than the blood of family. I have blood relatives who have chosen to reject Jesus. I do not have an eternal connection with them in Christ. But you, who follow after Jesus... I have an eternal connection with you. Because of Jesus' death and his life, his resurrection, we are connected forever. And our commitments to one another are a witness to the world of Jesus' power, powerful love in our lives. Now, understand this, that you know, in, in the, the body of Christ, that kind of commitment can't be made to everybody. We are a web of relationships. Now, we're, we're a web of relationships. I mean, Jesus did that. I mean, he had three that were his closest connection. Then he had a, a nine that were his disciples. And then there were the multitudes. So it's not that we, we have to organize and have that with everyone. But as a web of relationships... Uh, that that's the case. I mean, I have one person in my life right now that I will answer the phone when he calls at almost any time. If he called right now, probably wouldn't. Um, but uh, he, he'd understand that. But it's because there's a situation in life um, uh, that when he calls, if I'm in a conversation with someone, if I'm at a meal, wherever I am, I'll pull out the phone and answer. Now, there are some people that I'll answer the phone a lot of the time. My wife, my children, uh, people on staff, and, and then a, a number of folks. But if I'm in a, if I'm in a meal with somebody or in another conversation with others, you know, I'll, I won't answer, won't interrupt that conversation with another one, but will then, like for many other folks, then I'll eventually answer that message that they give to me. And then there are some calls, some numbers that usually start 1-800 or sometimes scam likely that I will not answer and will never answer the message uh, either. 
But we have those kind of levels of commitment with uh, one another. And it is necessary in this web of relationships in the church that we have those kind of connections with one another. It's a, an important part of our relationships. And so I wonder, I wonder for you right now, maybe even the Lord might be bringing to mind someone that you have that kind of commitment to. There, there, there may be a particular need, it may be a particular situation in their lives, or just a lifelong connection that, that the, the Lord is bringing that to mind. And that's something to celebrate, uh, where you've had that commitment with one another. Or maybe one that he's putting on your mind now to say, yeah, here's someone that you need to commit to for a season. And he's placing that on your heart now. In relationships, in the body of Christ, they require commitment. Now, uh, Ruth and Naomi, back to our story, uh, they eventually head back to Bethlehem. You know, that's the homeland. That's Naomi's family. It was her husband's family. Uh, and also, back in the homeland, there are pra- some practices that are in place that help widows in these kind of situations uh, and, and help the poor in, in general. One is called gleaning. And that's what farmers, when they would collect their crops, they, they, they would purposely not collect them all. They would not be totally efficient. They would leave some of the crop out there. And then after they collected the bulk of it, then they would allow the poor in the community, those in need, widows and orphans, to, to come and collect their food that they would need to clean up the rest of uh, the, uh, the harvest. Uh, there were also things like leveret marriage and kinsman redeemer, which were practices in which the, the family of, of origin would reach out and care for those that are have, uh, have been victims of this kind of tragedy like this. And so they're going to go back home where gleaning is practiced and uh, also uh, where there's some uh, items of uh, uh, the possibility of a family re- maybe reconnecting with them. And that is what... Happens um, when they get back to to Bethlehem. There is uh, it's where Boaz comes into the scene. Uh, Ruth goes out to glean in the field and happens to glean in Boaz's field. And Boaz uh, is a, one of the leading business folks in the community. He knows he's heard. I mean, you know, small town word gets around. Naomi's come back. Tragedies upon them, and now um, they're. Uh, uh, and they've heard about um, Ruth, this Moabite woman who's now staying with uh, Naomi. And so Boaz knows the story. And then he reaches out and cares for Ruth in this time, helping to pre- caring for her safety and for her provision. So we're going to pick up in the, the, the story um, at Ruth chapter 2, verse 17, which is at the end of the, the first day of gleaning for Ruth. And as she comes in and engages with uh, Naomi. So Ruth chapter 2 verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked. And she said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. 
And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, Besides, he said to me, that you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now this is about a month or two later. We pick up verse chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. That's how we know it's later. It's winnowing season now. No longer harvesting, but winnowing. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. And put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Now here we see that relationships... Uh, relationships uh, produce celeb- uh, relationships they develop care in us for one another when when we are in these kind of relationships care will rise to the top uh, for one another we see that boaz to ruth and we see it naomi to ruth i mean boaz took care of ruth in an abundance Um, both caring for her safety and caring for what she needed to eat. An ephah of uh, the the harvest was about five or six gallons, uh, over 30 pounds that that she brings home uh, to Naomi in addition to her leftovers from the company lunch, which Boaz also gave to her. And, you know, and we, we, we see that in our relationships with one another. Maybe I have the, 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 the great gift of being able to see that in your connections with one another, where people bring meals to one another, they, they offer rides to one another. I've seen people give others a, a car for a week, for a month, for, for a summer, um, the, seen them give them places to, to live to, in their, their home for months and months, all in times of need, over and over again, see ways that we care for one another because of these relationships. I remember in my, uh, um, in my own, um, life with, with you, uh, particularly challenging time when, uh, my youngest was in the hospital, uh, for, um, uh, 10 days with an unknown illness that had him, um, knocked out. Um, and, and Kathy and I were pretty much just taking care of whatever needed to be taken care of. And it was around Christmas time. And one of you asked, what can we do for you? And it was a, a simple thing. It was like, well, um, you know, we don't have a Christmas tree in the house, you know, and the, the girls are there. We're going to be there on Christmas. What, what do we do? And, you know, well, 
Um, uh, what kind of Christmas tree do you have? Well, we usually have live ones and they're Fraser furs and, you know, but whatever. Yeah. And when we finally got home from the hospital, there was a Fraser fir tree in our living room. Yeah, a simple act of kindness and care that happens when we're in relationships with one another and we share those needs. Um, I also uh, love uh, Naomi's interaction with Ruth here. Now, this is controversial. There's a whole lot of different interpretations and understanding of what's going on this because this gets a little on the risque side and a couple of interpretations sort of uh, see it that way. But I think the real focus here is on Naomi and her attitude towards Ruth. The beginning of chapter 3, you know, she says, Ruth, we need to focus on you now. It's time for, for you to stop caring for me and I need to care for you. You need to move on with your life. And some of the language that she uses here, you need to be, uh, uh, get, you need to be, uh, perfume, you have perfume, get anointed, uh, put on your, your cloak, and then, um, go out is, is very similar to what K- King David does after he stops mourning for the death of his infant son, uh, that was a result of his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, if you remember that story. He does the, the same thing. It's sort of, Time to stop mourning and now move on. And it's like Naomi is now caring for Ruth to say, it's time for you to stop mourning for the death of uh, your your husband and for my loss and now move on into life. And, and that's what she does in engaging then with Boaz. And ultimately, she's making the move to ask him to be their kinsman redeemer. To then marry Ruth. And what, what happens is that, uh, that, that eventually does happen, which we'll get to in the next uh, passage. But, um, uh, Naomi, uh, is, uh, is now caring for Ruth. The, the other beauty of this is the mutuality of relationships. Ruth cares for Naomi. Now Naomi is caring for Ruth. And, and we see the same thing with Ruth and, uh, and Boaz. And really, the, the very theme of Ruth um, is, uh, revolves around the Hebrew word chesed. You know, those great words. And you sort of clear your throat when you get to say it. Um, but one of the most common were 297 times in uh, the Hebrew scriptures. And often used of God, meaning God's loving kindness his covenant faithfulness, his commitment and care that is part of his character that in, in sometimes is in response to our goodness. Other times it's in spite of our character or lack thereof. But that that's really a, a common word and theme that we see illustrated of God and then called for God's people. This kind of commitment and care, this loving kindness for one another. I mean, that's so, so crucial that Jesus said, as I said earlier, you know, he, this is how you're going to be a witness to the world that you're following after me is how you have love for one another. That's the greatest witness you have. It's not that you agree on a mission statement or some theological applications or anything else. It's that you love one another, that those kind of relationships, that flesh to flesh kind of connection with one another. God has designed us. To need relationships. He has designed us as relational beings. 
That's how he has designed all of humanity. I mean, it reflects the very image of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is in eternal relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God. And we, in God's image, have that same need, that same requirement. And it is in those relationships, in our web of relationships with one another, that we most clearly witness to the love of God for us. Now, I asked uh, um, Gene Schneider, a licensed practicing counselor who's been uh, serving God in that way for, for decades, who's the you know, director of Living Hope Counseling Services just behind us, just to come, hey, share us a little more. You know, just the, the necessity of relationships and, and why that's so important, why that's so significant. Will you come and uh, share with us uh, just a few thoughts about that, please? Good morning. So when Drew asked if I would just take a few minutes to share with you today and talk about the importance of relationship, knowing that we were designed to be in relationship. And the beautiful thing with research and all these new ways that we can determine the impact that relationship even has on the brain. You know, we can scan the brain now in ways and begin to see like, Wow, different parts of the brain light up as you are in relationship with one another. So, you know, from the beginning of time, God had a plan. We didn't always be able, wouldn't always be able to see it on a screen, but we saw the impact of that. And so even from infancy, we know that God has designed us to attach to the primary caregiver. And in that attachment, People either have secure attachment or they have insecure attachment. And so in those places, we know that through those formative years, people, the infants, the toddlers are looking for ways to be in relationship with those that are a part of their world. And we see that continually play itself out as we grow and develop. And one of the things that you know, I said to Drew was, you know, not only to, to say that relationships is vital to our very existence, but, you know, I get to sit every day with folks that have been wounded in relationship, that maybe they didn't have a strong attachment in infancy or early development, or maybe they've been in the church and they've been wounded and said, oh, I don't like what I see here. Maybe that love of Christ wasn't quite um, what they thought it might be, or people caused woundedness, um, or within our own families, our marriages, neighbors, you know, workplace. We have all these places where we know when we step into relationships that we step into a place of vulnerability. And so there's been just so much research done um, there's some folks with the last name of Gottman that have done a lot of research in marriage. And I think not only is this applicable for marriage, but also applicable in lots of relationships. So I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to hit on some of the areas that they've talked about. How do we go about having effective relationships? How do we work with those places that maybe have caused woundedness inside of us? And how do we go about looking within ourselves um, and saying, how healthy are we? 
and how healthy are the relationships that we're stepping into. And again, I hope that God is bringing to mind, as Drew said, who are those people that God has placed in your life? Who is he calling you to be in relationship with? And who you are in that relationship, because that's who we have the most control over is ourselves. So one of the really important things, and I think we see this throughout the story with Ruth and Naomi, is that they really learn to honor one another. That they really learn to hold each other in high esteem. And so interestingly that the Gottmans have found honoring one another is an aspect in relationships that really allow for a strong connection. Romans 12.10 says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. And that always makes me stop and ask, how well am I doing that? Am I outdoing showing other people in my life honor? How do we speak with one another in our lives? How are we honoring one another? We know that that has to be an active and intentional act over and over again every day of how do we honor one another? Drew's going to talk about celebrate here in just a minute, so I won't touch on that. I think another aspect of is how are we protecting the relationship? I found it so interesting as I reread Ruth and Naomi over and over again is the protection that they had for one another. Now, some of y'all might be thinking, I have a mother-in-law, and I don't know that I would be wanting to go travel to her homeland with her. <laughs> That's not my case. I adore my mother-in-law. But for some, you might think, hmm. And on the flip side, some of y'all might be like, uh, I've got this daughter-in-law. I don't know where my son picked her up at. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. And but I think the key thing is, is in this, is that how can we protect the thoughts that we have? How do we protect our hearts from allowing frustration, bitterness, and even contempt to color that relationship? How do we begin to look to say, how do I honor this person? How do I protect the individual relationship? And I think one of the key things um, in, in Gottman research says that contempt is the number one factor that can tear couples apart or can tear relationships apart. And so we have to really begin to see how can we really appreciate? How can we put on glasses that allow us to see the good, allow us to appreciate who that person is? We know when there's contempt that all we see is negative. Oh, I've sat with hundreds, probably thousands of couples at this point in, in the counseling room, and the negativity is all that can be seen when they get to a place where contempt has just eroded the foundation. Or I've sat with adult, child, and parent, and all that can be seen is the negativity. And so, you know, I think the real challenge is, is how do we really look for the positive? We know every person was made in the image of God. 
And I always feel like I have to give this little disclaimer because there might be somebody sitting out here or listening that says, so that means I should just go ahead and enable people with addictions or that are abusing me or that um, have just really um, destructive patterns in their lives. No, love them enough to say no and to set healthy boundaries for yourself and for that other person in relationship. But so often, just watch the thoughts that go through through your head in a given day about someone and just ask, positive, negative, positive, negative. Am I appreciating who this other person is? And one of the pieces of research shows that in relationship, when we're speaking to someone, it takes five positive statements to negate one negative statement. That's a pretty high ratio. So how can you go about speaking positive to those people in your life and really trying to avoid those negativities? And finally, really work on forgiveness. You know, so often we can see forgiveness that just, or unforgiveness take root inside of ourselves. And how can you go about really asking God to help you to be empowered to forgive another person because we do hurt one another in relationships. And how can you go about doing that? I like this quick little thing I saw that signs of unforgiveness is being quick to take offense, holding grudges, throwing people's past mistakes up to them, and nurturing grievances. I would say if any of those things kind of resonate with you, you might go, oh, Maybe I am holding on to unforgiveness toward that person. So that might be something, again, to go before God and ask him to help you in that place of unforgiveness. Because I have found in my life, and I've seen in hundreds, that it's only through God's spirit that we truly forgive one another. And finally, um, on that note, that, you know, we know that relationships take sacrifice. You know, it's, I've, as the older I've become... The more I've tried to see life um, from a lens of it's an honor to really be able to be in relationship with people, to really care for one another. Um, in a season where I'm caregiving a lot for older parents, that it's not an obligation, it's not a duty, um, but it's really an honor to be able to come alongside and walk that journey um, in that season of life with them. And the stuff that God teaches me is phenomenal. Um, so remember that love is sacrificial. God died on the cross, cross for us. Allow his love to really pour through you as you enter relationship with others. And then I told Drew I would do a really quick commercial that Living Hope, remember, is just right across over there um, behind us. And that if you find that you're struggling in relationship, to always remember that that resource is available to you for counseling. And we're also going to be offering a um, forgiveness group at the end of this month. You'll see more information about that, um, forgiving what you can't forget. So that will be a really great group. Um, and also we'll be doing a marriage group uh, later in October. Um, and that will be for couples that are just dating all the way up to those that have been married for 60 years. Um, so we invite you to keep your eye out for that information coming out in a little while. Thanks. Thanks, Jean. <clears throat>
Just some uh, practical, clear examples of ways that we're committed to care, you know, for uh, one another and honor and stuff that uh, for the most part isn't rocket science, but it's uh, to honor and to respect one another, not to harbor contempt and unforgiveness, but to live in that, that mercy that God has for us, for one another. And uh, hear those and other uh, opportunities of ways we believe relationships are so crucial that we want to wherever there there might really be brokenness and uh, the need of real assistance to take advantage of that or a number of other options as as well um uh, one thing that we'll be doing uh starting in the month of october is uh, having a growth groups um for the whole church uh that's you know that's why we have growth groups and the uh when we're really promoting those particularly because it addresses the needs that came up from the congregational survey of spiritual formation, of relationships, of uh, the uh, need for leader, even leadership development come from being in, in, in connection with one another around God's word and sharing life with each other. That We want that to promote those kind of caring, committed um, relationships where we get to practice the, the uh, fullness of relation of the life that God has uh, for us. Um, and during that time, all the, the groups, the Ignite Men's Ministry, the women, uh, the, um, the uh, Band of Brothers, uh, youth group, young adults will also be using the same curriculum that we'll be going through during that, uh, that month of October. Um, uh, but uh, the, the, the final thing that I want to, to, to capture here is that relationships also, um, they're, they're the ones, they produce the celebration of God's blessings. It's in relationships that we really get to celebrate God's blessings together. We see it in the end of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 13, 17. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her a conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And what we see here, God giving a child to them, not a miracle child. I love the beginning where, you know, Ruth and Boaz did their part and then God gave them a child. Uh, So, and it all came together. Again, I think what's showing the the beauty of this whole book, it's, it's based on God's character, but God's character is not just an idea. It is something that we live out in our relationships, in these committed caring, celebratory relationships with one another. And what I, I believe is we cannot celebrate alone like we can together. We, we just, we can't enjoy the fullness of life alone like we can together. Um, a favorite story uh, of mine is about a preacher who um, one Saturday night was just burnt out, tired. I'm not going in. He called the, the head elder of the session and said, I'm not coming in tomorrow. You have to find somebody else to preach. I'm sick. <laughs> and uh, so, and he didn't. He said, and then hung up and said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do tomorrow what everybody else gets to do. I'm going to go play golf 
on Sunday morning. Well, an angel was really upset about this. You know, he said, hey, Jesus, even though Jesus knows everything, hey, Jesus, you see what this guy's doing? I mean, he is abrogating his responsibility to your people. You know, and ah, I see, we got it. And the angel's like, okay, let's see what happens. Pastor gets up early in the morning, gets his golf bag, goes out, has the course to himself. It's a beautiful day, low humidity, and he starts playing, and it's the game of his life. He is hitting straight drives. They're curving it just to the right time on those dog legs. He's hitting greens. Putting game has never been better. Even in the angel, he's getting really frustrated. He's getting really like, hey, what, what is going on here? What something's going to happen? The earth's going to swallow him whole, you know? He's, but he makes it all the way to the 18th hole, and he's like, all right, maybe lightning going to get him right now. But instead, he hits the best shot of his life. It's a par three hole in one. And the angel turns to Jesus, "What are you doing?" And Jesus says, "Who's he going to tell?" Took you a little while, but you see the point. You, you can't work, you can't celebrate alone like you can together. Uh, so, so to Gene's point of, of th- this is an honor, this is an opportunity. Yeah, th- this is a privilege. This is a joy to, to see that our relationships with one another get to witness to the world of the love of God in us. As we are on a journey, a committed journey to following Jesus together, where we're caring for him, caring for one another, on this journey that has ups and downs, that has challenges, that has real disappointments, but great joys, we are on this journey together to where at the end we get to celebrate, and along the way we get to celebrate the love of God for us that is in Jesus Christ that we get to share with one another and then show to the world. That is our prayer and our privilege as followers of Jesus to be able to demonstrate that love to the world. Amen.